Amen. What a mighty God that He is. Thank you so much. You may be seated tonight. I want to say what an honor it always is to stand before you. I don't take the uh, opportunity lightly, and uh, I just want everybody to know I love this church, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of what God is doing. Somebody say amen. So many times, years past, uh, I guess this has spurred what I want to talk to us about tonight, and I think it's, um, I try to be very relevant to our young people that are in with us tonight, and I think that uh, what I believe that God has laid on my heart will speak to everybody here tonight, because in times past, we get to the moment that we're at now when the awakening revival is over, and things have been on such a high and then sometimes in years past, we have found ourselves just starting to settle back into church as normal. And, uh, but I believe that this year is different. I've noticed something different in the church and uh, in the people, in the congregation of the church. Uh, I think people have made up in their minds that I, I do not intend to go back to what I used to be. And I don't intend to go back to just church as normal, but I believe that the services that we have been experiencing and the miracles that God has been bringing to us, I believe that is the new normal. And I believe that we are at a height, uh, at a place that we have not ever been before. We've, awakenings of the past have been fantastic, and we've hit really high points, but I believe that this year has been, how many would agree with me? I think this year has just been off the chains with what God is doing in the places that He has taken us to. So I want to talk to us about not uh, going back to what we used to be. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Judges chapter 16, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, it'll be on the screen behind me. And I want to draw your attention to two uh, verses of Scripture. Judges 16, verses 2 and 3. Verse number 2 says, And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in, and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were, were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. Verse number 3 says, And Samson lay till midnight, and arose at midnight, and here's what I want you to know, and he took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, so he, he removed the gates, and not only did he just remove the gates, but he removed the posts that the gates were on. He removed them and went away with them, bare and all, and put them up on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. So Samson woke up and he removed the gates of the city. And so I want to talk to you for just the next little while on removing the gates. You see, in the book of Acts, the third chapter, we find an amazing account. The Bible tells us that John and Peter were on their way to the temple at about the ninth hour of the day, or what was referred to as the hour of prayer. There are two things that I would like for us to note tonight. Number one is that they were very prompt with their prayer because it was the same hour, day after day, after day. And the second thing I want us to note is that they were together. The Bible tells us that they went together. And I want, I want you to note that togetherness 
positions us in a place where we can be used of God. Pastor has talked so much the last uh, several weeks on unity. There's a reason he's not just talking about unity to have something to say, but there's something about when the church and the body of Christ is unified. God honors unity. And if you want God to move and we want miracles that had, like, had taken place with Sister Robin here on a Sunday morning, I've never seen the church any more unified than they were at that very moment. And because of our unity and because we, we sought God with one mind and we were in one accord, God wrought a very amazing miracle that I will someday, if God allows us or God tarries, that I will share with my grandchildren that I saw the dead raised. And uh, many of the same accounts that I've heard all throughout my life. But they were walking together at the time of prayer into the temple. But as they were walking into the temple, they encountered, and we all know the story, they encountered a lame man. A man that the Bible tells us was lame from his mother's womb. And the Bible says that he was laid daily by the gate of the temple. But this gate that he was laid by was not just any gate. This gate had a specific nickname, if you will. And we're not sure, and the Bible doesn't tell us where it got its name or what its actual name was. Maybe it was its actual name. Uh, but maybe it just got around because they called the gate of the temple, this particular gate, the gate beautiful. The Bible says that this man was laid by the gate beautiful daily. And it is indicative of the way that God views gates. I don't think it's, it just happenstance that the Bible calls this gate beautiful. But I believe it's indicative of the way that God views gates. God has a fondness for the concept of, of a gate. And it's all throughout the Bible. You have to understand that God uses some very extreme, strong language in his reference to gates. Because in Psalms 87 and 2, the Bible says, The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. God loved the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. That's some pretty strong language. That, I think that tells us of God's fondness for the concept of a gate. Extremely strong language. In essence, he was saying, the Bible saying that God loved the gates of Zion more than he loved the foundations of Zion. He loved the gates of Zion more than he loves, loved the homes that were in Zion. He loved the gates of Zion more than he loved the pillars and the beams that were in the tabernacles of Zion. He loved, the Bible says, the gates of Zion. He was somehow trying to portray, I feel, to us that there is a fondness for the whole concept of a gate. When you study the mechanics of a gate you will soon realize that there is one distinguishing factor between a gate and a wall. You see, a wall can be long and continual without a break. But then there is a breaking in that wall, and no longer is the wall meant to keep people out. But the wall is extending an invitation, and then there is what we call a gate or a door that would allow people to enter. It's not just about, at that moment, keeping people out or keeping people in, but it gives people an option to either enter 
or to exit. When you put a gate in a wall, no longer is it there just for protection, but it allows an entrance and an exit. And there's something particular, uh, peculiar about this in how it has a hinge that allows the gate to either open or to close. It will either allow someone to enter or that very same gate will allow someone to exit. This is something that God loves. Remember this. God loves the gates of Zion. This hinge is an illustration of a divine choice or divine decision. And I want to let you know tonight that God loves choice and he loves decision. That's why he created man uh, a little different than the angels. The angels have no choice but to worship because that's what they were created to do. But God created man with a choice. We can either choose to worship or we can choose to withhold our worship. He, he, he created us different. He said, they're, they're, man's my most prized possession. And because I love them that much, I'm going to create them with the ability to choose whether they're going to worship or whether they're not going to worship, whether they're going to live for me or whether they're not going to live for me, whether they're going to attend church or whether they're going to stay home and not attend church. But God loves the fact that, that there is a choice and a decision to be made. He has a fondness for the idea even of a hinge. He has a liking for the idea that someone can make up their mind whether they will serve the Lord or not. This is the reason the Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. He's given us a choice. He doesn't say, well, I've created you and you have no choice but to serve me. But he's saying, I want you to make the decision. I want you to make the choice and you choose this day whom ye will serve. Whether it be the Amorites on the other side of the flood or if it's going to be the one true living God of Israel, choose you this day who you're going to serve. But as for me in my house, the Bible says, we will serve the Lord. God loves choice. It was this infatuation with choice that led God to the creation of man. In the beginning, God created. The Creator began to create from the beginning of time. He ordained plant life and vegetation. He ordained animals in their place and their position in this world. God, the Creator, was leading up to His most prized creation of all time. The Bible tells us that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And at that point, man became a living soul. And God said, it is very good because God loves choice. The Bible tells us that he put man in the Garden of Eden. It was to be a paradise. It was a paradise and it was God's intention for man to live in paradise all of his life. And in the middle of the garden, he put there the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because God loves choice. He loves the fact that the people that worship him have fought through trials and tribulations because they love him that much. How many know that sometimes it's hard when you come in on a Wednesday night, even a Sunday, 
you, you've worked hard all week, you're tired, or maybe you've worked the weekend, and sometimes it's a sacrifice when you come into the house of God. It's sometimes it's a, it's a sacrifice to sing. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to listen to the person next to you sing. No, I'm kidding about that. But it's sometimes a sacrifice to clap your hands. Sometimes it's a sacrifice because you're tired. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to lift your hands. Or maybe it's not the fact that you're tired. Maybe you've fought the enemy all week and you're just worn out physically and spiritually and even mentally. So it's a sacrifice when you come into the house of God to do those things. But God wants to know that in the midst of our calamity... And in the midst of our trial, that we love Him enough that we're going to worship Him and we're going to give Him praise. The Bible said if that we, if we, Brother Borders, the Bible says if we withhold our praise, then He'll cause the rocks to cry out. Because He's given us that choice. He's saying either you're going to worship me because you were created to do that, or if you're not going to worship me, then I'm going to cause another one of my creations to worship me because God's saying whether it's you or not, it really doesn't matter because I'm going to get the praise that I'm worthy of whether you do it or whether you don't. But I'm, I'm, he said, I'm giving you a choice. And if you love me that much, then you're going to worship me. If you love me, then you're going to serve me. Sometimes we tell him, God, I love you and I'm in this thing for the long haul. But as soon as things get tough, then we abandon ship. Then we say, I, I, I'm not, I don't know all about this because I, I thought when I started serving God that everything was going to be perfect in life. Well, I don't know what planet you came from because I, I know in my short years on this earth that sometimes uh, things just don't go like we planned. But God's wanting to know that in spite of everything, in spite of life, in spite of trials and in spite of tests, he wants to know that we're in it for the long haul and that we're going to worship him even when it's a sacrifice for us. But he loves the fact that the people that worship him, the people that gather in this church week in and week out, you've fought through trials, you've fought, you fought through temptations and tribulations, but you worship in spite of what you may be facing. And he loves the fact that when we do that, that shows him that I really do love you, God. It's more than lip service that's coming from my mouth, but my life is telling you, God, I love you because I'm willing to worship you in spite of my circumstances. God was not content with the obligated praises of the angels. He was not satisfied with the praises of creatures that were surrounded by a heavenly atmosphere. You see, it's easy to worship God when all the saints are angels. But when you've got problems, when you've got calamity, when you've got struggles and when you've got trials, God likes to see someone who's going to stand up and say, I've made up in my mind that I want to live for God. I don't really care what happens in my life. He wants people that say, I know that I'm sick, but I'm still going to worship Him. I know that I'm depressed, but I'm still going to live holy. I know I'm going through it, but yet will I trust you, God, because the Lord, God, loves choices. God spoke to Moses and said, Speak unto the children of Israel. And say unto them, that is now come time to give unto the 
Levites cities for an inheritance. He goes and he says, once you go tell the Levites that, 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 that they are to give cities for an inheritance, and the Levites didn't get cities for inheritance, but it is now time to give them cities for inheritance. You need to give them six cities, or 48 cities, and six of these cities will be called cities of refuge where people can come and live in peace and safety. A place where people can push through the gates of decision and find rest. And I want this to be specifically made for people who are running for their life out of fear. People who are trying to get away from condemnation. People that are trying to get away from judgment. Some People that are trying to get away from the avenger of blood. God specifically stated that if a man was to have murdered someone accidentally, if it was not intentional, if it was done uh, premeditated, then he was to be judged accordingly and his life would be required. But if he murdered someone accidentally, there were two things that he could count on. Number one, that there would be a revenger of blood that would be after him. There would be an adversary uh, seeking him every waking moment of his life. That would, that was, uh, a, a, an avenger of blood that would be, uh, that, that would be looking to, to spill his blood in judgment for what he had done. That would be one thing that he could count on. A revenger of blood would be looking to find him in a place of vulnerability. And the second place that he could count on, that there was a place of refuge that he could find. There was a place of safety and that there is a place of comfort. I think that I can quit drawing parallels because I think that you're getting what what I'm saying because you know what I'm talking about. The Bible says that, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. God is our refuge. He is a very present help in time of trouble. I'm glad that God saved me. Uh, I'm glad that I could come into this city called the church and find safety and I could find rest. And he is saying, you can come into this city and you can seek refuge. Let me say it like this. Come into the church and seek safety. Come into a prayer life and seek refuge. Come into holiness and find security. Come into godliness. Come into sound doctrine. Come into a relationship with God, and you will find refuge when you pray to Him. You will find safety when you live according to the Word of God. It is a place of refuge. How many are glad for that tonight? If you are, why don't you clap your hands and thank Him? Thank you, Jesus. There's no power in this world like the power of prayer. I think that we have experienced that and we know that. I thank God that I can lock myself in a prayer closet of refuge and I can hear 
the Avengers, I may be able to hear the Avengers of blood knocking on the door trying to get into where I'm at. And they're standing outside and they want in because they're wanting to, to spill my blood. They're wanting to take my life. And I can lock myself in that closet. I can close that door and I can hear them on the outside. But there's one thing about it. They cannot touch me if I've locked my place in a place of refuge. If I've locked myself in a place of refuge in prayer, they can come knocking all they want to. And they can try to judge me all they want to, but they can't touch me as long as I've locked myself in a place of safety, in a place of refuge. That's what I'm so thankful about, uh, so thankful for about this church. It is a place of refuge. It's a place of safety. It's a place where people can come and they don't have to be condemned. And it's a place where people can come and not be judged. It's a place where people can come and they can lay their burdens down. They can bear their soul at an altar and they don't have to fear about someone judging them. They don't have to fear about someone wanting to require their blood at their hand. But they can come into this place and they can pour out their heart and they can turn their life around because it's a city of refuge. Our kids can be raised in a city of refuge. As long as we keep our children in the city of refuge, as long as we teach our kids to stay in the church, no matter how rough it gets, to stay in the church, no matter what someone may say, to stay in the church, no matter how someone may act towards us, as long as we stay in the church, then the avenger of blood can't touch us because it's a place of safety and a place of refuge. How many are thankful for the church? Come on, how many are really thankful for the church? It's a safe place. It's a safe place. It's not a place where people are condemned. It's not a, you know, how many times have all of us in this place, we didn't want to come to the altar and we didn't want to, we didn't want to make a big show because we were going through a, a test or a trial because we just knew that someone was going to judge us. We knew that someone was going to mock us. Somebody was going to say something about us. That's the, that's the enemy trying to uh, attack our minds, saying that, well, you can't, do, you can't go to the altar again because people, what are people going to think? They're going to know, they're, they're going to think that you've committed some great sin. They're going to think that you are living a, a life that is not pleasing unto God. But we don't have to think that way because this is a place uh, that is free of judgment. This is a place that's free of condemnation because we, we, we don't dare judge someone else because, uh, after all, we used to be in maybe in the same place that they're at. We don't dare judge someone be, because of their struggles because such were some of us. But we found a city of refuge. And no longer do we have to think like that. No longer do we have to uh, be ashamed of what we used to be because we are in a place of refuge and no one is here to judge us and no one's here to condemn us. But we have come into this place of refuge so that we can find peace and that we can find comfort. No matter how bad the world gets, you can come into the city of refuge and you can find rest and you can find comfort and you can find peace. If you believe that tonight, clap your hands unto the Lord and thank Him that the church is a city of refuge. City of refuge. And I can lock myself in that closet. I can lock myself in the city of refuge because I no longer 
No longer do I dwell in the land that is full of condemnation. No longer do I dwell in the land where I have to be watchful and fearful because the avenger of blood is after me. But I have changed my citizenship. I, I talk a new language. I don't talk, the song says, I don't talk like I used to talk because he made the difference. I don't walk like I used to walk because he made a difference. I've changed my citizenship and I speak a new language and I now walk a new walk and I live in a place of refuge and safety. Oh, what it may, what it must have felt like to that man who knew what the law said about his actions. Accidental though it may have been, but what he must have felt like knowing what lay in store for him according to the law. But when he walked in past the gates of the city of refuge and he stood in that quiet place and he stood in that place of safety and when he knew that the avenger of blood could not chase him into that place, and he knew that the avenger of blood could no longer touch him as long as he stayed in the city of refuge, oh, what it must have felt like. And what did it feel like to most of us when the first time that we came into this place of refuge, we came in hurting, and we came in bruised and beaten, and we walked into this place, and then there was a, a, a comfort and a peace that hit us like we have never uh, felt before because we were in a place where no longer could the enemy attack us. No longer could the enemy touch us because we were in a place of safety and a place of comfort. I'm telling you tonight that if you don't know that place and if you've not experienced that in your life and maybe you're running around ragged and the enemy's trying to, trying to kill you and trying to destroy you, let me tell you, you can find a place of refuge tonight. You can find a place that you can walk into and you you can lay down the cares of the world and you can lay down your burdens and no one's going to judge you and no one's going to condemn you because you are in a safe place. You're in a city of refuge as long as you are in the church of the living God. Somebody say amen. But oh, what it must have felt like to him when he walked into that place. No longer did he have to look over his shoulder when he, was, uh, when he laid his head down at night he knew that nobody was going to be slitting his throat. No one was going to spill his blood that night. I wonder if when he thought about it, if he wanted to dance for joy. I wonder that when he thought about that, that God had created this place of refuge for him, I wonder what his thoughts were. I wonder what his actions were. I wonder what his prayers were like that very first night. When he came into the city of refuge because he knew that no one could touch him. I wonder what he thought about the goodness of the Lord. And then maybe his soul cried out like the song we sing, Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. How many of us in this place tonight would just take a minute and look at where God brought us from? We look at the life that God has brought us from and the life that He spared us from. And I wonder how many people in this place right now could lift your hand and say, Hallelujah, God. Thank you for saving me. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for the city of refuge, this place of peace and comfort that you have brought me to. I wonder if he wept every now and then knowing what it used to be like. I wonder if he got joy unspeakable 
and full of glory when he thought about all the fear and all the anger and all the chaos and confusion that he left behind that were outside of the gates of the city of refuge. You see, it was a beautiful place, a place that he could work without fear, a place where he could raise his family, his kids could run around, and they could play, and they didn't have to worry about the avenger of blood coming to take one of them because of what his dad had done. He could go to and from the grocery store, and he could buy and he could sell. He was living a good life. He was living the dream that God had in store for the people who needed refuge. He was so happy and so grateful and thankful for what God had done in his life. But I've come to tell you tonight that there was a disadvantage also to the city of refuge. And that disadvantage was the fact that there was still a gate at the front of the city of refuge. And the same gate by which one entered, one could just as easily exit through the same gate. And I just wonder how many times in the Word of God that there were people that went into the city of refuge, barely escaping the sword of the avenger of blood. And once they got in, maybe they got a little uh, haphazard about life. And they got a little carefree about life in the city of refuge. And, but little did they know that just outside the gate laid a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But as long as they were in the city, he couldn't touch them. As long as they were in the city, he couldn't harm them. But when they removed themselves from the covering of God's protection and the banner of God's oversight, they became open prey once again. Listen, it does not matter how long you live in the city of refuge. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter how much you can talk in tongues on Sunday or how, much, how many prayer meetings you have been to that week. It doesn't matter how many preachers you know or how many sermons you've heard preached. It doesn't matter how many souls you've won, but you better stay in the city of refuge because just because you've been serving God for 50 years, 30 years, 40 years, and just because you attend church three times a week does not exclude you from the avenger of blood if you are ever to walk out of the city of refuge. The same gate that you came in to find safety, you can just as easily exit that gate and find yourself in harm's way. That's why you better never leave the church. That's why you you better teach your kids never to leave the city of refuge because you don't know what lays out in store for you just outside the gate of the city. And God gives us that choice, Brother Jerry, to not only enter, but it's our choice whether or not we stay in the place of refuge. Young people, hear me tonight. 
This is a great place to be. I don't care what anybody in your school does, and I don't care how much they make fun of you or talk about you or try to get you to do the things they do. Don't you ever leave the city of refuge. Don't ever turn your back on the church because just as soon as you walk out of the gate, there's an avenger of blood that's waiting to spill your blood at his hand. But you stay in the city of refuge because no matter how bad it gets on the outside, no matter how many people are standing at the gate hoping that you walk out, as long as you stay in that place of safety, they cannot touch you. They can yell at you. They can call you names. They can ridicule you. But they cannot lay a finger on you as long as you stay in the city of refuge. Think about Job. The devil went to God and said, God said, what, Jesus, the Lord said, what are you doing? He said, I'm walking to and fro in the earth. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah, I have, but you built a hedge around about him. I can't touch him. The devil knew that as long as he was under the covering of Almighty God that he couldn't touch him. And the only time that the devil can ever touch us or harm us or even lay a finger on us is if he first gets permission from God. But as long as we are under his covering, as long as we're in the city of refuge, as long as we're in the church, as long as we have that prayer life, as long as we're walking with him and we're talking with him, as long as that we're getting our daily direction from him, Come on, sometimes we want to forget about that. We just get up and, and, and put our feet on the floor in the morning. We go about life and say, well, wherever life takes me today, no. We need, to, we need to seek God's will for that day. We need to get God's direction for that day. As long as we're getting God's direction for that day, then we're still under his covering. And the enemy can't touch us and the enemy can't harm us as long as we're walking under the covering and the shadow of the Almighty a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place that, that the enemy can't touch us. He, yes, he can, he can throw darts at us, and, 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 and he can, he can, he can uh, bring our past up in our eyes, and, and, and we can allow that to cause us to stumble. But as long as that we're in the city of refuge, he can bring up our past all he wants to. He can throw as many darts as he wants to. He can call, call you... Uh, as many names as he wants. He can call you a thief. He can call you a murderer. He can call you all the things from your past. He can do anything that he wants to, but he can't lay a finger on you as long as you're inside the city of refuge. It's like a, it's like a, a, a bully from school. Brother Jerry, they want to call you names. They want to they intimidate you. They think they're bigger and they think they're badder than you and they think they're stronger than you. But there's, mo there's something about most bullies is they'll sure flap their jaws, but as soon as someone stands up to them and says, okay, you want to go? Let's go. What's the first thing that they're going to do? Nine times out of ten, they're going to tuck their tail and run away. It's just like the enemy. He wants to flap his mouth all, all he wants to. He wants to. He wants to bring up your past. He wants to say, well, you can't live for God because you used to do this. Or you can't, you can't go to the altar because just this week you had that thought or this thought or you said that. And he can bring up all that stuff that he wants to. But listen, he cannot lay a finger on you. He can bring up your past all day long. But the choice is yours whether or not you allow it to be a stumbling block. 
The choice is yours or whether or not that you'll give in to that, that, uh, that talk, that temptation, whatever you want to call it. The choice is yours. But as long as you are in a place with God that you need to be, as long as we're in that city of refuge and we're walking under His covering, then we can't. That, none of that will be a stumbling block to us because we'll be able to look at Him and say, Get behind me, devil, because I, I'm not that man anymore. I, I, I know I used to live out there, but now my address is in the city of refuge. I know that used to be my life, but look at my life now. I, I, don't, I don't walk like that. I don't talk like that. I don't go those places anymore because I found a city of refuge. I found a place that I can go into and I can, I can bear my soul and I can, I can walk with God every day. and I can, he, He'll come with and, and walk with me in the cool of the day. He'll come and He'll sup with me. And I can go to my, my house and my prayer closet in the city of refuge and I can talk one-on-one with God and I can be under His covering and there's not a thing that the enemy can do about it. But the choice is up to us whether or not we stay here or we exit here. I've heard so many people that have left the church and they've had every excuse under the sun of why. Well, I can't live for God because so-and-so said something. Or I can't live, I can't go to that church anymore because uh, they, they judged me or they, they, they talked about me or they, I, I wasn't a part of the clique that I wanted to be a part of. And, and, and truthfully, no church is perfect because it's made up of flesh, fleshly people. We're not perfect. Sometimes there are cliques. Sometimes we're all humans. Sometimes we say things that we don't intend to say, that we don't need to say. We have no business saying. And sometimes we hurt people. But listen, there's no amount of hurt that I've ever experienced in the house of God that is great enough for me to leave the city of refuge. There's nothing that anybody in this place can say about me, and nobody has, and I thank God for that. And I, I love everybody in this church, but there's, listen, there's nothing that anybody can say about me or do to me that would cause me to leave this place of safety. Why? Because the choice is mine. I choose. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. I choose to live in this place of refuge. I choose to live in this place of solitude. I choose to bring my family to the house of God. I choose to raise my kids in the city of refuge. Why? Because I know that if I ever, if I ever lead them outside of this city, then they're fair game. If I ever lead my kids outside of the safety of the ark of the church, then there's an avenger of blood that is waiting for them to catch them should they ever stray out of the gate. You can't offend me out of this city. You can't gossip me out of the city of refuge. You cannot backbite me out of the city of refuge. I'm a citizen of refuge. I live here. I work here. I pray here. I walk here. In Him I live and move and have my very being. I cannot afford to leave the city of refuge. So I say to all of us here, if you so much as take one step beyond the border 
the city of refuge. You are vulnerable to the assault of the adversary. Oh, but I'm I'm not going to stay out here long. I I, I don't intend to get too far out out of of this city. But anything beyond your walk with God is beyond the borders of His protection. Any step outside the gate of the city of refuge, you are beyond the borders of God's protection. You may have just taken the promises, maybe you've just taken the promises of God for granted. But let me quote you the promises of God. You know that rumor that we all have guardian angels? Well, I hate to tell us all that we're not guaranteed guardian angels because the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear God. I know you thought that all things work together for good, but the only people that have good things working together for them are those that love God. For the Bible tells us all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. You are not guaranteed protection beyond your walk with God. You're not guaranteed a covering and an oversight And being in the palm of His hand unless you are in the middle of His will. Unless you are living, walking, talking, and breathing in the city of refuge. So don't go out of the city. Not for an errand. Not for anything. Not to sow some wild oats. Or not just to see how green the grass is on the other side of the fence. But you better stay in the city of refuge. Because the moment you walk out from His protection is the moment that the adversary will attack you. And if you're not in God's protection, then the enemy will destroy you. I'm not going out. Well, I I need just a few hours to to go where I want to go to. I I know I can't do what I really want to do inside the city of refuge, so I have to leave my walk with God in order to do some of the things that I want to do because I know that God would never permit me to do that in the city of refuge. Well, you better watch because there's an avenger of blood and he is watching every move that you make. He is standing outside the gate and he is peering in and he's watching every move you make. He's he's watching for that time that you take one step outside of the gate and he's saying, I will lay here for all eternity I have to, but the moment that you walk outside of that gate, I've got you right where I want you. So stay under the covering of God. Stay under the covering of of the city of refuge. Stay under the protection of God. Stay under the protection of, of, of the church because as soon as you leave the enemy, will require your blood. So stay in this city. Stay in this city. Stay in this city. I'm quickly drawn to a close. God loves gates. That's why He puts gates in front of hell. Whom does the Son of Man say that I am? He asked. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. Whom do you say that I am? He asked. And Peter looked at him and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He has revealed it unto you. And he said, upon this revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you want to go to hell, you can go to hell if you want to. It's your choice. If you want to go, if you, if you choose to remove yourself, then that's your choice. There are gates there in, in hell that will let you in. But there's one thing about the gates of hell, that once you enter in, you'll never be able to get back out. But you, it's your choice whether or not you want to do that. They carried, the Bible says, they carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and a light that was like unto stone most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high. It had twelve gates, uh, and on the gates were angels. Heaven has gates, as the Bible tells us. Hell has gates. A walk with God has gates, because the Bible tells us that straight is the gate and narrow is the way. His presence has gates, because the Bible tells us, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Sing before His presence. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Come and magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Listen, if you want to sit through messages like we have heard the past month or so uh, preached to us from this pulpit uh, and not make a move uh, towards the things of God, then that is your choice. But I have made up in my mind that I am going to push through the gate and I'm going to enter into His gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to move into His presence. I have decided to follow Jesus. You can take this whole world, the song says, but give me Jesus. With the cross before me and the world behind me, I will make a choice to follow Jesus. It's time for us to get serious about walking with God. I'm closing tonight. You know what qualified David to fight Goliath? What qualified David to fight Goliath was the fact that David had already fought a lion and a bear and had already defeated. Goliath, though, was God's enemy. The lion and the bear were David's personal enemies. But Goliath was God's enemy. I come to tell someone that you can get victory over your personal enemies so that you can get out on the battlefield and fight God's enemy. It's time for us to push through the gate to make a decision and to declare, I have decided to follow Jesus. In my city of refuge, I pushed through the gates into my city. But Samson showed me something in this scripture, and this is where I want to tie it all together tonight. Samson showed me something. Samson showed me in Judges that I've got to not only go into the city, but I've also got to remove the gates when I get into the city. Because the same gates that let me in will also allow me to exit. 
I want to know if there's any Samsons in the house of God tonight that are going to go into the city and uproot the gates. You're going to uproot the choice. You're going to uproot the decision. And you're going to cast it to the side. And you're going to build a wall where a gate once sat. And say, I'm never leaving this walk with God again. Very funny thing. Um, I was having a conversation with Spencer Sunday, Sunday afternoon at lunch. And he made a statement about he was going to go someplace. And he said, uh, well, I most likely am not going to go there. And I said, well, that's good, Spencer. Leave yourself an out. That's really good. You'll say, well, I'm probably not going to go there. But there's always that chance then you're saying that I may go there. That's what I'm talking about tonight. It's going into that city of, of refuge and say, I'm here, but I, I want to leave that option. I want that option in case I ever want to get out. I want to leave that option. I want to leave my options open. I don't intend to leave the house of God. I don't intend to leave the city of refuge, but I feel good leaving that gate there because I know that I have a way out in case I ever want it. But Samson went into that city, and he removed the very thing that would allow him to exit. He said, I don't ever, I don't ever want to leave this place again, so I'm going to remove my option, and no longer am I going to have an option to leave because I've removed the gate and I'm going to build a wall where the gate once stood. How about it, somebody? How many, how many in this place are willing to make a decision that I'll, I'm going to remove the gates and I'm not going to leave the option open because it's not an option for me leaving the city of refuge. I'm never wanting to walk out of this place, but I'm willing to remove those gates and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to build a wall where those gates once were so I no longer have an option to leave. No longer have that safety uh, option, if you will, to, to get out if I ever want to get out. But no, I've, I've, got too many, I've got too many roots in this place. I've got too many people that prayed for me in this place. I had too many people that laid their hands upon me and that prayed for me when at, at, uh, at 12, I, I was a late bloomer, okay, at 12 years old in this very pew. I had people gathered around me, laying hands on me, praying me when God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've got too many roots in this place to leave. I've got many of you in this place. I, if I asked you how many, how many have ever spoken a word to me, how, how many have ever spoken a word in my life, most of the hands in this building would go up, and I appreciate that. I've got too many roots in this church. I've got too many things that God has saved me from and God's delivered me from and too many things that God has kept me from to ever leave this place so that's why I'm making a decision I don't care how hard it may get and I don't care how rocky the road may get but I'm going to leave I'm going to remove those gates because I am never leaving this place one thing I will tell you I'm never leaving this church I'm never leaving the apostolic doctrine I'm never leaving the truth because I've removed the gates and it's no longer an option for me never leaving Never leaving. Whatever it takes, whatever it is that gives you entrance back into the world, it's time for us to remove that. It's time for us to get serious about the church. It's time for us to get serious about the revival that God has sent in this church. It's time that we get serious about winning our city. 
and saying, I, I, whatever, whatever, whatever it takes. If I got to remove my option, if I got to remove that, that gate, then fine, so be it. I'll move it because I'm never leaving this place. I'm never leaving the city of refuge. Stand with me. Whatever it is that gives you a glimpse of the lifestyle that God delivered you from, it's time once and for all that we remove that right now. So I've heard too many people that have come in, God has saved them from a life of sin, a life of turmoil. I've come into churches and, and heard them uh, telling stories about what it used to be like. And used to, they would brag about what they used to do and what, where they used to go and how they used to be, how they used to talk and how they used to walk. But it's time that we just remove that all together. Listen, I'm not interested in talking about where I came from. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in taking a look at my old life. I'm not, I'm not interested in spending one solitary moment bragging about what I used to do and who I used to be or how big and bad I used to be or where I used to go and how much I used to drink and how many packs of... I, I, I'm not interested in that. I'm removing that. I, there's, there's no chance of me ever going back to that lifestyle because I've removed that option. I've taken that option out of the way. I've destroyed that gate, and I've created a wall for my own protection. Well, if it's the music in your car, then remove it. If it's the Internet in your home, get rid of it. I'm not going back because I've made a choice. My mind is made up. My decision is final. I'm removing the gates because I plan on staying in the city of refuge because I cannot afford, cannot afford to leave and have the avenger of blood require my life as soon as I leave the city of refuge. And why else can I afford it? Because I got two boys that are looking at dad. Uh, as much as I don't want to admit it, my kids are growing up to be just like me. Cheryl's thinking, oh dear God, please no. They're watching. They're watching me. Every move that I make. They want to do what dad does. They want to be what dad is. No matter good or bad, they're watching us. And the moment that I take a step outside of the city of refuge, I'm telling them that's okay. It's okay. You leave your options open. You leave your option. If you ever want to leave, that's fine as long as you come back. No, 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 no. I'm letting my kids know as for me and my house, we're serving God. As for me and my house, we're staying in the city of... We build a house here. Our address is here. Our mail comes here. This is where we eat. This is where we sleep. This is where we breathe. This is our life in the city of refuge. Would you just lift your hands right now? Would you just make a declaration to the Lord? God, I'm going to remove the gates once and for all. God, I'm, gonna, I'm removing my options. God, I'm never going to back to what... I used to be. God, I'm never going back to that place. I'm never going back to that lifestyle. But God, I'm going to remove the gates from here on out. God, I'm destroying those gates. I'm not just taking them down, but I'm going to destroy them to never be built again. God, I'm staying in this place of refuge that you have created for me. 
God, I'm going to raise my family here. God, I'm going to raise my children here. I'm going to teach my kids to reverence the city of refuge. I'm going to teach my kids that there's safety and peace in the city of refuge. God, help us right now, Lord. Each individual in this place, God. Whatever it is that has caused us to want that option out, God, I pray that you would help us. God, give us the courage. God, give us the fortitude. God, give us the desire to remove those gates once and for all. God, keep us in this place of protection. God, keep us under your covering. Walk with us. Talk with us, God. Guide us and direct us. Our steps each and every day, God, I pray that you would give us direction. I pray for protection on our homes, God. I pray for protection on our families, God. Keep us under your covering, Lord Jesus. Go with us from this place, God, and let us have our minds made up that we're living for you, God. There's no option. There's no, there's no plan B, God, but we're living in the city of refuge. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Thank you so much for being in the house of God. You have a great rest of the week. We'll see you in service online.